0: Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 113 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on September 19th, 2021. Ah, my God, guys. We've only got two weeks left in the regular season. Game 150 is today, and I said, I said it, it would fly by, and here we are, past the middle of freaking September, and I hope you're having an awesome day today, and that'll hopefully be made even better by the time you listen to this tonight, after the Yankees hopefully defeat the Indians in just a little bit and take the series, since the game hasn't happened yet at the time I'm recording. But at the same time, regardless of what happens today, at least you look outside and it is a gorgeous summer slash fall day, and I say summer slash fall because it's technically not fall yet, just in a couple of days it will be, but it is like your typical fall day even though it is the tail end of summer. But I do hope the day is made even better with a Yankee victory today, of course. Now, my friends, the Yankees. You know, other than getting punked by Francisco Lindor last Sunday in the final Subway Series game, thanks to an overworked, unmitigated disaster named Chad Green, who would also nearly blow the second game in Baltimore. And speaking of Baltimore, also losing Thursday for the eighth damn time to the Orioles, who will ultimately probably have about 110 losses this year, and giving up 11 runs yesterday to a team with no offense outside of Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes. Well, other than those things, I guess we're pretty groovy, man. <laughs> things are still as tight as ever in the wildcard race between the Yanks, the Sox, and the Jays, and coming into today, the Yanks are a half a game out of the wildcard spot, but I mean, this thing is really going to come down to the last week, guys. Maybe even the last couple of days. Who the hell knows? But I'll tell you a couple of things I do know, though. One thing I do know is that I always root for and love the Yankees, of course, even when I hate them, but I am always in belief until things are mathematically settled, for the most part, but there is one thing that I will tell you, is that if the Yankees do have the nerve to lose today's game against Cleveland, the final game of the three-game set, especially after yesterday in Yankee Stadium, also after having already lost their last weekend home series against Baltimore, I gotta be honest... And you really can't blame me for feeling this way, and many of you might even be telling me right now that I'm a bit late to this, but my faith will be damn near zero, if not zero. You just can't afford to lose today. This team can't afford to lose much more at all whatsoever going forward, because there's just not enough time left. So that's one thing I could tell you that I know, is that my faith will be at an all-time low if they happen to have the nerve to lose today's game, especially with Garrett Cole on the mound. But I'll tell you something else that all of us as Yankee fans collectively know. If we know nothing else with this bipolar team, there is one thing that all of us as Yankee fans collectively know. And that is exactly what I already said last week, that they're still about the most feast or famine, maddening, inconsistent Yankees team that I think anyone has ever seen Whether you've been a fan for five years, 15 years like me, or even 40, the only thing that's consistent with this team is their inconsistency. They're either the best of the best or the worst of the worst. I mean, how many times are we going to say it? We've been saying this crap all year like a broken freaking record, man. I'm exhausted by it, dude. Week in and week out, the same deal. How inconsistent these freaking guys are. I'm so tired of talking about it. The last two days, the definition of it. Friday, you drop eight runs. And the very next day, yesterday, they get 11 dropped on them. And lose by eight. I mean, it's just... (laughs) You can't make it up. You can't. They're still in it mathematically, obviously, like I said. It's not over yet. But after countless days like yesterday, how can you blame someone for not being able to take this team seriously? I often can't take them seriously myself. Alright, enough of talking about things we already know. (laughs) I'm going to set the table for you. As usual, we're going to be rehashing a lot of the stuff I already just discussed in recap anyway, so we'll talk more about it later. But as for today, first off, we have the social media segment as per usual. I got another poll for you this week. And then after the poll segment, we have news and recap. I'm going to give you massive IL updates at the end for all the big names we care about. Hermann, Sevi, Luizica, Tyone, and now since yesterday with his neck, Gallo, all of them. And of course, we'll talk about all the embarrassing games and otherwise from this past week, and it's going to be freaking awesome as always, so do not go anywhere. But let's go to the social media segment and get into it, my friends. Let's get it started. But first, just a quick reminder that Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, myself and Ball9. Visit Ball9's website, Ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at ball all nine. And of course, do not forget to do the very same with me, my friends. Follow me on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero and why. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds. 97 and please also don't forget to subscribe to the yapping yankees youtube channel leave a like below on this video if you're watching on there but also show it some love on the other three platforms it's available on show it love everywhere on youtube apple podcasts spotify and soundcloud my friends but without further ado let's head on over to twitter to get the social media segment started As usual, I'm going to give you the question, the voting results, my take on it, and then we'll go through about 10 replies, the first 10 replies I see down in the comments section here on Twitter, and then we'll read a few over on Instagram before moving on to news and recap. Today's poll question is, if you had to choose one of these, which aspect of the team is the biggest concern to you? And the three choices to choose from are offense, starting pitching or the bullpen, and of all three of those choices, of all the hundreds and hundreds of votes that came in, had a pretty clear winner here, the winning choice by earning 64% of the vote was offense, in second place, the second place choice, earning 22% of the vote was the bullpen, and in last, earning 14% was the starting pitching. Now, I basically completely agree with the order of these choices. That's exactly how I would rank them. And all of them are to blame at least a little bit, if you ask me. And with any of them, honestly, it depends on the day. Because with how inconsistent the team is, you never know what you're going to get. And depending on the game, of course, although all of them are to blame, this is my thought process as far as, I guess, my ranking of blame The reason why I blame starting the least is, although the starting pitching has had its hiccups this year, they've had their times where you lost guys to COVID, like Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery, and then you have Kluber missing all those months, and you have Tyone out right now, and you know, the starting pitching has had its difficulty, and especially down the stretch here, they've had a very difficult time going much more than five-ish innings, which has also led to things like bullpen burnout and everything like that, so The starting pitching has definitely had its bad moments, but honestly, unlike anybody expected coming in because of the way it's been the last few years with the Yankees and their starting pitching, the starting pitching for the most part throughout the season, especially even in the first half when the team as a whole was terrible, the starting pitching has actually been a bit of a staple for the Yankees this year. And right now, I mean, their starter ERA, I believe since beginning or middle of July, is in the lower threes coming into today, which is really good. It's amongst the best in baseball, and still the best in the American League, I believe, in that time span. So, the starting pitching has been a staple for this team. It's probably been the best aspect of it, believe it or not, even if it has had its rough moments here and there. And then you have the bullpen. And the bullpen is mainly just a source of being blown out and exhausted, just gassed overworked, especially guys like Chad Green. He's the definition of overworked and just not coming through at all in big situations. I mean, I've never seen anyone give up more game-deciding home runs in one season than Chad Green this year. It's just ridiculous. And then, of course, you had that time span for months where after being the best reliever not only on the Yankees but in baseball for the first two or two and a half months of the season, you had Chapman lose it for months and now only recently starting to look half decent again. And that's a big thing. You have Lewiziga being out now, which is the biggest hit of all, because he, he's been the best arm throughout the entire year, the most consistent and reliable arm in that Yankee bullpen. And you have guys like O'Day and Wilson. Wilson's gone now. He got traded at the deadline, of course, alongside Luis Sessa. And O'Day has missed most of the season due to injury. Both guys that you expected to play significant roles towards the back end of that bullpen, You have Zach Britton out, and whenever he was in, he just wasn't himself, not nearly himself. And, you know, so the bullpen has had some difficulty too, and with how many games they've blown here and there, and how many late-game meltdowns they've had, I mean, some of the worst meltdowns you've ever seen, I mean, they share some blame too. But the thing that has almost never, never been a positive of this team throughout this entire season, and easily of these three choices, in my opinion, deserves most of the blame, as most of you said and I agree with, is the offense. I mean, they've been a cardinal sin this year. You look from up and down the lineup, the talent, and the expectations offensively, and overall, but especially offensively, that the Yankees had coming into this season, and what we've gotten? I mean, it's just nothing short of a disgrace. It's a travesty. I mean, like everything else in the introduction, it's nothing that we haven't gone over a million times. How many guys have underperformed with the exception of maybe a couple? And those couple at this point to me are probably just Judge and Stanton. They've been the best ones. And they've had so many times throughout this season, even lately, where they have just carried the team. Especially within the last couple of weeks like they have at a lot of points throughout the season when no one else has done anything. I mean, how they've continued to be with runners in scoring position and situational hitting overall, and this has been a problem in years past, especially in the playoffs too, but this year, how long it has spanned all year long, I mean, even upon getting on base offensively, the base running all year, the double plays, how many times have we talked about the double plays, you might as well rename this team the New York double plays, it's freaking terrible, A team designed to hit the ball 700 feet can't elevate the ball. And this is really, I mean, with the exception of a few games out of 150 this year, the offense has just been horrible. And speaking of bullpen burnout from before, and a lot of the pressure that's been put on the starting rotation even, even a starting rotation that's been the staple of this team, the reason why a lot of that has happened is because of the lack of offense a lot to blame this year, as far as on field at least, is the offense. And I do agree with you guys when you say that they deserve most of the blame. I mean, the evidence is all there. Look at the offensive numbers all year long. It's freaking horrible, especially given the expectations that there were heading into this season, especially offensively for this team. I look at the team and I can't even believe it. It's hard to even accept. I've never been so disappointed and underwhelmed by a Yankee team like this in the 15 years I've been a fan. And I've said that in many weeks past, and I'm saying it here again here on Sunday, September 19th, because I look at this team and I can't even believe what I see. I really can't. So yeah, guys, I agree with you when you say the offense, but let's read some replies down below and see what you guys are actually thinking in depth. Let's start off with at KathleenLD20. And Kathleen says, if the offense was consistently scoring, then the rest is secondary. We need to know the offense can hit every game. Please put a stop to the double plays. That would help. Uh, Yeah, it would. (laughs) Because the Yankees are just still on record pace come season's end in the next couple of weeks for double plays. It's outrageous what they've done with double plays. It's just... Almost every time they get a run on first, it's just a thought in the back of your mind. A double play might happen. It's just automatically there. And most of the time, it happens. And you're right. Like I said before, a lot of the elements like bullpen burnout and starting pitching pressure, a lot of that has been a result of the lack of offense. Haven't you seen the numbers? How many close one-run games the Yankees have played this year? And fortunately, they've had amongst some of the best records with that. But all the close games they have played, all the 2-1 games, 3-2 games, one to nothing games even maybe, I, I, that's just all evidence of the lack of offense. So yeah, I mean, in a way, a lot of that other stuff, it would become secondary in a sense, but it would definitely all be improved by having an offensively competent team. Definitely, I agree with that. I think everybody should. Next, we have at sir underscore Vic, and they say, this team totally depends on the home run to score runs. We need balance. It's great to have power in the lineup, but we also need guys who can create runs, stealing bases, bunting, and finding the gap. Playing small ball is important, too. And yeah, a lot of people have argued that when guys like Greg Allen and others were up, like Andrew Velasquez, they would play more small ball at times, and they did sometimes. And when the Yankees were playing better baseball, that kind of play was really, it was mixed in with the rest of their gameplay. The power was still there, but all of those other elements were there as well. So yeah, there should be a balance. And you know what? A lot of that, I'll tell you what this is, a lot of that lack of balance, for those of you who love contact hitting out there to balance out power like I do, I definitely believe you have to have a mix of both. But a big factor of that is has been the underperforming of DJ LeMayhew and the absence and otherwise underperforming of Gio Urshela, especially lately. I mean, guys, think about it. These last couple of years when it came to contact and a good mix of power and contact, a large element of that contact, and simply just trying to put the bat on the ball in big situations, two main guys, the catalysts of that these last couple of years who haven't been performing nearly to the way they performed the last couple of years are DJ LeMahieu and Gio Urshela. Those two not performing the way they did in 19 and 20 are major reasons why you're not seeing that approach being done with the main starting lineup. Because those two just aren't what they were. That's a big thing. Those two were offensive catalysts. But yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. Next, we have at Gracie Sue NY. And Grace says, Offense inconsistency. Someone introduced these guys to Derek Jeter. I mean, amen to that last part. (laughs) I've said the very same myself. I mean, when it comes to Derek Jeter's mindset of winning that this team just doesn't seem to have, I've said the very same thing myself. But yeah, I agree. The offense, I mean, it's just in the middle of it all. Any problem that the Yankees have can more or less be rooted back to the offense and it's just there. The evidence is there. Look at the numbers, guys. Look at just with your eyes what's gone on all year long with the lack of offense. Next, let's do Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and Rebecca says, Hi, Mike. Hi, Rebecca. I say offense worries me the most. They are way too inconsistent to count on. They need to get back to getting on base, moving runners over, and stealing bases. Get consistent. Well, in the last stretch here, I mean, I don't see much consistency coming around because we've seen 150 games worth of just straight inconsistency. Like I said before, you either get the best of the best or the worst of the worst, like the Yankees were doing starting at the second half all the way up until just about three or four weeks ago. You, especially during the 13-game winning streak, you had the best of the best, and throughout the entire first half and returning to that gameplay now, you now have the Yankees returning to being the worst of the worst. There is no consistency whatsoever. And yes, like a few replies ago, you're mentioning the other elements to the game that should be mixed in that were there when the Yankees were winning some time ago. And you're right. I mean, the evidence is there. Look what they were doing when they were winning. They were doing everything. But yeah, like all the other replies saying offense, I agree with you, Rebecca. Next up, let's see. At John Lamarca 11 says, the regression of our whole infield is to blame, plus the rally-killing, game-changing double plays they've hit into. The less we say about hitting with runners in scoring position, the better. Yeah, man, I agree. I mean, I mean, I, I said before how Gio Urshela has regressed, mainly because he's gotten hurt a lot, and he just hasn't been playing consistently, and when he does, he just hasn't really been himself anyway. He just really hasn't been. He's been a little bit better lately, like in the last week, but other than that, he hasn't been the regular Geo that we know of for the most part. And since returning from the injured list, he's even made plenty of defensive mistakes, which is very unlike him. You have DJ LeMayhew, obviously the regression there, back to what many might say he did before 2019 for the most part. But with how vital he was to the 2019 and 2020 Yankees, you now see just how important he was to those teams now that you don't have him hitting like that anymore this year. You now see how much of a catalyst for the lineup that he was, that he now no longer is this year, because he's really had a very down year. And Glaber Torres, I I mean, how much do we have to say about Glaber that we haven't already said? I mean, the guy, not only can he not hit for power whatsoever anymore, any and all pop that he had in his young career so far up to this point, even though he is still only 24, but any sort of pop that he had before is now non-existent, doesn't hit for any power anymore, regardless of how much he tries to with that newly changed swing that has ultimately buried his offensive capabilities this year, just on that back foot, just really trying to rip one into the stands every time. You could see it in his swing, the uppercut, the staying back on his back foot, just opening up with the hips, and just really trying to hit one into the second deck every time. And it's just not working. Not only has he lost all his pop, but he just can't hit anymore. He can't hit, and he's as bad as ever defensively. Made about 20 errors at shortstop. I think it was 19, I believe, before they officially just gave up on it a week ago. But all those errors at shortstop, how horrendous he looked, and some of the mistakes not even showing up on the scorecard. So he's been even worse than those 19 errors, if you ask me. And then within two days, two or three days at second base, he was already making a ton of mistakes there when they moved him back to second. I mean, Glaber has been just about as useless as anybody on this team this year in every aspect of the game. He's been terrible. I don't know what he's going to do in the future, and I don't know if he's going to go anywhere this winter. He still has all those years of team control left. I mean, that's about the only thing giving him any sort of value on the trade market right now, those years of team control. But other than that, I mean, what more is there to say that hasn't already been said? Glaber Torres has been a horrible baseball player this year. Overall, he's been horrible. I always tell my fellow Yankee fans, or just my fellow baseball friends altogether, I I don't... I don't think I've ever seen or even heard of a guy that came up with Glaber's talent, Glaber's hype, how high he was rated on the prospect system, and to see how great he was his first couple of years. I don't think I've ever seen such a fall off, such a drop off from a young talent like I've seen from Glaber Torres in my life. Whether it be another player from 60 years ago, or another player from 10 years ago, or five years ago, or right now. I have never seen such a drop-off in my life. And I know I'm going on a tangent about Glaber Torres right now, I'm sorry, but I've gone on a million of them this year because it just can't be avoided. This guy mentioned the regression of the infield, and Glaber Torres has been the center of that. So yeah, dude, I mean, and even Luke Voigt over at first, how much time he's missed. They have Rizzo now, and I love Rizzo. You guys know that. But, I mean, the whole infield, if you look back at last year, Gio, Glaber, DJ, Voigt, from what was last year and in 19, it is a massive regression. You're absolutely right. And that's been a big part of it. And the double plays, (laughs) we've been over that already. I don't have to go into that again. And the runners in scoring position, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's keep going. I spent a lot of time on that one. (laughs) Let's go to Spencer at Musician DMD, and Spencer says, the bullpen by far. The Yankees have the most games decided by one run. The erosion of Chapman's reliability and the inconsistency of the mid-relievers have made leads of five runs or more perilous. Scoring has been challenging in 2021, but in any game, it's pitching that counts. Yeah, that's—listen, Spencer, that's plenty valid, and I I agree with that. Like I said, with the bullpen, it definitely shares its faults. I mentioned how many late-game meltdowns, whether it be a big lead or a small lead, that they've had. And the unreliability of guys especially like Chapman, like I mentioned before as well, and Chad Green— And how many injuries you've had out there. And a lot of the days they do have those late game meltdowns. The offense just happened to come through that day. So it wasn't the offense's fault on certain days. So yeah, like I said, even though I blame the offense first and foremost, because the bullpen has had far more better moments throughout the year on the whole than the offense has. I mean, through 150 games, almost every game for the offense has been terrible. But the bullpen... No doubt, they share blame too. Everybody does from this travesty of a season that we've had so far. Everybody does from top to bottom. But on the field, even though I have offense at number one, yeah, the bullpen, that's a fair choice, man. That's a fair choice. And it's right behind the offense for me because of how many bad games they've had too, how many crucial games they've blown. And you even just reiterated what I said before about how many close games the Yankees have played this year. You're absolutely right. And, but again, a lot of those have been because of the lack of offense. Think about it. So, but yeah, I totally understand what you're saying about the bullpen and it's completely valid, completely. The erosion of Chapman, huge deal. The middle relievers, huge deal. And all those meltdowns, definitely. I mean, all of those late game meltdowns, they haunt me. (laughs) They haunt me to this day. So, Spencer, you're completely right. Even though I think the offense is mostly to blame, there's plenty of blame to go around, and the bullpen definitely shares a great deal of it for me as well. Definitely. Right behind the offense, if you ask me, since the offense has also been a result of their overworking and exhaustion. Next is Eric at Medic968, and Eric says, It's the offense and starting pitching. In my opinion, the bullpen is good, but has been a victim of the lack of run support and lack of length by the starters. They're burnt out and have been in too many high-leverage situations. Well, the offense, you know, I agree with, definitely. But the starting pitching, while I obviously acknowledged before, they've had their struggles throughout the year at times between injuries and who's out with COVID and who doesn't go long enough into the game, the lack of length, and that's all valid, like I said. But the bullpen wasn't always burned out the bullpen's been massively burned out the last few weeks, and long before that, they were giving up plenty of late-game meltdowns that just simply cannot even be explained. So, I can't free the bullpen of blame, because they are beyond to blame as well. The starting pitching, while they have had their struggles, I mean, they've been the main staple of the team out of these three categories, even though they do take some blame, because everybody does. But of these three, they take the least. I mean, they have their games. They have their really, really bad games at because that's inevitable. It's going to happen in a long season. But the offense has been at the center of those being such close games and high leverage situations and putting pressure on starting pitching and putting pressure on the bullpen and leading to a lot of burnout there. Like I said, a lot of the problems with the team can ultimately be rooted back to the offense and how virtually nobody, with the exception of a couple of guys maybe, has played to the back of their baseball card or the way they have the last couple of years. So I certainly agree with your assessment of the offense, but the starting pitching, I mean, while they do share some blame for some games, of course, obviously they do, I definitely think the bullpen has had far too many meltdowns, and a great many of those took place before they were even remotely close to being burned out at the end here. And the bullpen has had their good times too, especially in the beginning, believe it or not, at the very beginning, when the Yankees were doing terribly at the beginning of the first half, the bullpen was really good. But then eventually, they started to give up these games that just simply cannot be explained. And especially leading up to now, all throughout since that started happening, I mean, you just almost never trust anybody they bring in because you just feel like they're going to melt down. I mean, you have to be able to handle those high-leverage situations. You have to. Especially if you're in the back end of the pen. And it's tough because, again, all of the injuries and whatnot to the back end of the pen, it's not nearly what you envisioned at the back end of the bullpen when you were coming into this season when spring training was underway. But that doesn't change how bad it's been. It's been horrible. Up next, we have at Jordan Forever 66, and they say, offense overall, the same reason the Yankees lose in the playoffs every year. Yeah, it's been a big reason why they have lack of hitting with runners in scoring position, and of course, it's not the reason for every single playoff loss, but ultimately, it's been a big reason. The Yankee offense just disappears in big, vital games the last few years in a do-or-die playoff game. They just do. Mainly because pitching is so important in the playoffs, but let's keep going. At Laura underscore IceMunt, Laura says, offense, they are inconsistent with everything. One day, they'll score many runs. The next day, they won't score any runs. It baffles me. Yeah, I agree, Laura. You know I do. And like I said in the introduction, the finest example of all of that is what's happened the last couple of days. Look at the Yankees against the Indians on Friday, and then look at them yesterday. <laughs> it, it's just, it's ridiculous. All right, I think we've done like nine so far. Let's do a couple of more. Up next is at Laura underscore Navins. Let's keep the Lauras going. <laughs> and Laura says, depends on the day. One day they're knocking the cover off the baseball. The next, the league's worst pitcher can look like Cy Young against them. Some days the starters in bullpen are lights out, and the next day look like they forgot what they're doing. The team is inconsistent. 100%, Laura. Totally agree. Like I said, all of them are to blame at least a little bit. It's just a matter of which one that you'd have to blame the most if you had to choose one. But absolutely, it definitely depends on the day. And it's just unbelievable. You've never seen a team so inconsistent. Like I said, I never have. I mean, like I said, you either get the best of the best or the worst of the worst. That applies to the offense and every other aspect of the team. But definitely, even as I stated before, I mean, it depends on the day. You just never know what you're going to get. This has just been the most frustrating and inconsistent Yankees team I've ever seen and might ever see. I mean, I never want to tempt the universe like that because like I also said last week, the universe tends to absolutely detest me. But... I can't imagine another team being as inconsistent and maddening as this one, especially given the expectations heading into this season. With the offense in particularly, which has obviously choked on the big one this year. Next, we have at RJB5150, and they say Gary and Glaber becoming embarrassing is the craziest thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, with Gary, I mean. The last week or so defensively has been an absolute nightmare for him. He has just regressed horribly defensively. He's just a nightmare behind home plate lately. And at the plate, there was that time, you know, towards like the end-ish part of the first half, maybe in like the middle part of the first half, and for a while into the second half where he was tearing it up offensively again. And he was really looking to be coming back. And now for a while now, he really has done... Little to nothing even with the bat. So Gary overall has regressed again. And Glaber Torres, I mean, I I just went on a tirade about him before, and I've been going nuts about him all season long. I don't need to say any of that again. But yeah, listen, I agree. Those are two big things for sure. Glaber all season long virtually, and Gary again lately, and like the way he was throughout the month of April really as well, Gary has done little to nothing either. He really hasn't. It's been bad. All right, let's finish off with one more. Let's end with at Patty386, and Patty says, the offense is so frustrating, especially when they were successful and so fun to watch when they were putting the ball in play, stealing bases, etc. And then they went back to only swinging out of their shoes, hitting into double plays, and it's mind-numbing. The anemic offense puts a lot of pressure on the pitchers. Yeah, that's exactly what I said before, Patty. Lack of offense can definitely put pressure on pitchers, too, whether it be starters or the bullpen, resulting in bullpen burnout, too. It's exactly what I said, and I could not agree more. But as far as you Twitter peeps out there, I cannot thank you enough for all the voting, the replying, just the whole deal, all the interacting. You know, I love you all so much, and as usual, because there are just too many of you There are plenty of you who I missed, and I'm so, so sorry about that, but if you want to read all the replies for yourself, whether it be the ones that I got to or didn't get to, then just head on over to my Twitter page, you know the deal, at Mike Scudero, just look for the poll tweet, and all the replies are down in the comments for you to look at. But before we end off with news and recap for this week, really loved all your replies on Twitter, they were great. Let's see how the Instagrammers voted and replied. Same question, of course, and that question is, if you had to choose one, which aspect of the team is the biggest concern to you? And on Twitter, there were three separate choices, but as I always say, on the Instagram stories, which is where I do my polls and social media segments every week, they only allow for two choices on the Insta Story polls. So, the two choices I limited it to were offense, and then I sort of combined the two choices of starting pitching and bullpen, since, you know, they kind of all fall under the umbrella of pitching. So, of the two choices, offense or starting pitching slash bullpen... Like on Twitter, the majority of the vote went to the offense. 55% of all of the Instagram voters chose the offense as the biggest concern for the 2021 Yankees, and the remaining 45% went the way of pitching on blaming the rotation and or the bullpen. So let's just read a couple of replies here on Instagram before we move on to news and recap. First up, we have Sayesh2914, and they say, Offense is a major issue. Relying on Rizzo way too much. He's not the same Rizzo as on the Cubs. You know, I've, I've heard that, and you all know how big of a fan I am of Rizzo. And now, while Rizzo isn't necessarily the same player as he was as recently as maybe three years ago... I mean, he's still great. He'll still give you 20-plus home runs a year. He'll drive in plenty of runs. His defense is still top-notch. I mean, so Rizzo isn't necessarily the problem. And like you say, they rely on him too much because, you know what? Throughout a lot of the cold spells throughout the last few weeks prior to about a week ago, Rizzo was, like, one of the only ones hitting. (laughs) He was one of the only ones doing anything. So... Yeah, I guess that's fair, but offense overall, outside of just relying on Rizzo or Judge or whoever it may be, yeah, I agree. Offense is a major problem. Next, we have Mountain Gal 456, my good friend Tina. And Tina says, I would normally say pitching, but the offense, too many times this season, has disappointed the pitching game. We have gotten good pitching, and too many times the offense has given them no runs or nearly enough runs to win. Yeah. Definitely, Tina. Absolutely. That's a lot of what I've been saying. They just haven't provided any support. If you want to ask one guy about that, ask Jordan Montgomery, who has 16 no decisions this year. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Yeah, so ask him. He's probably the best person to ask when it comes to backing up Tina's point. But yeah, that's what I've been saying, Tina. I totally agree. Official 52011 says, offense. Another offense one. Yeah, I agree. And let's go with the last two, as usual. First up, my amazing girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And Vic says, I have never seen a more embarrassing lineup with the exception of Judge and Stanton. I feel like half the time, our pitchers are killing it and the offense is not giving them any backup. Yep. That's a lot of what some people have said already and it's true. It's very true. And like I said, if you want any backup on that point, just ask Jordan Montgomery. Or you know what? Even Garrett Cole. Think about how many times in the first half Garrett Cole lost out in a game that should have easily been a win because he maybe gave up a run or two, and the offense was non-existent. And of course, Garrett Cole here or there, maybe like three times, three, maybe four times has had his rough starts this year, like everyone does eventually because they're human beings. But why do you think their record with him on the mound this year overall really isn't impressive at all? As a matter of fact, their record with him pitching is pretty staggering. Why do you think that is? Well, it's because like 90% of the time that he's pitched, especially in the first half, he didn't get much run support. And he himself took plenty of no decisions or even losses that he didn't deserve. So yeah, you're right, Vic. Let's finish up with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom says, some days the offense is decent. And other days, the rotation and bullpen are decent. And other days, they choose their times to be absolute disasters. Yep. Very similar to what I believe it was Laura said before about depends on the day. Yeah. Very similar to that. And again, that's the product of an inconsistent baseball team. And some might say a team that's just not that good. But guys, again on Instagram, just like Twitter, to all of you, thank you so, so much for your interactions voting, replying, or whether I got to you or not, I love you all the same every week for your interactions. You are the absolute best, each and every one of you out there. I love you all so much. Thank you, as always. But now that the social media segment is wrapped up and concluded for this week, let us head to the tail end of the show and end things off with with weekly recap, so hop into the Yapping Yankees time machine with me as always, and let's go back to last Sunday, and catch up to today. Let's go. Ah, can't wait to recap this week, like so many other weeks this season. But last Sunday, my friends, final game against the Mets in Queens, another wild ride that would ultimately result in the Yankees getting completely embarrassed for what feels like the 89th time this year, and losing the series in another game that they desperately needed, which is basically every game nowadays. The Yanks got on the board first on a Stanton RBI double and a Gallo sack fly, followed by Clark Schmidt giving it right back by giving up a run in the bottom of the first. And then on a three-run shot by Lindor in the second on what would be a three-homer night for him, started by another crucial Glaber error that inning. So Glaber's defense bites again as it led to Lindor's big home run, his first one. And after the Mets added on another to make it 5-2, Glaber made up for his error a bit with a two-run shot. And that's definitely a special moment since Glaber home runs this year are more rare than a solar eclipse. Five to four at that point. Lindor with another home run would make it six to four. And he would chirp the Yankee dugout over apparent whistling from the night before, after Taiwan Walker was thought to be tipping pitches. Well, regardless, Stanton, he had an answer for him with a two-run nuke afterwards to tie it up at six, and he basically told Lindor to cut it out while rounding the bases. The bench is cleared, but nothing came of it. It was just a crazy game. (laughs) The bottom of the eighth, and I have my brother for proof. In the bottom of the eighth, Chad Green came in, and I legit said out loud to my brother, I said, "Uh uh-oh, Lindor's due up, and... Chad Green, who's made a living this entire year, as we know, giving up key game-deciding home runs, is on the mound. I don't like it. And what happened? What all of us knew would happen. He puts an absolute meatball of a fastball right down Broadway to Lindor, and Lindor answers again with his third home run of the game, a shot to the moon. And you know what? Good on Lindor, man. He talked his crap, and he backed it up with three bombs. Giancarlo, he did his best, got that huge homer, answered back, it was a big moment. And then Chad Green, to the one person in that lineup, the one person. I mean, he could have given it up to anyone else, literally anyone else. But another key home run given up by Green, to Lindor, of all people that night. It's the story of the season, guys. And aside from it being just yet another embarrassing game to go along with the other dozens of embarrassing games this year for the Yankees, I mean, I was just thinking about how much I continue to miss Luizaga even more. Because as far as I'm concerned, Luizaga is my only untouchable in that bullpen. I've said that. And the Mets ultimately get the last laugh as the Yanks... Again, for what feels like the 89,000th time this year, just get completely embarrassed. This time, by the Mets. And this loss officially also knocked the Yankees out of a wild card spot, which has also been the theme for a little while now, since their legendary collapse, since their 13-game win streak. So add the Mets. To all the others, whether they be arch rivals like the Red Sox and Astros have also punked the Yankees all year, or whether it be someone else who's not even an arch rival, add this one to the list of many embarrassments. But Monday, despite how badly things started out, the Yankees, in another game that they desperately needed, which again is basically every single game, they did have a terrific Comeback win against the Twins, a game that Luis Hill started and gave up four runs in the first on two homers, and then one more in the third on a solo shot to Buxton, and the Yankees looked completely deflated already, and understandably so, they were put down early. They didn't even get a single hit until Gallo got a bunt single in the fifth, and thankfully. Heel would end up settling down, and he went six innings, having allowed those five runs, seven hits, but just one walk, as opposed to a seven in his prior start, and still had a ton of strikeouts, this time having eight. So, down five to nothing, the Yanks slowly chipped away. Sack fly by DJ, Gallo solo homer, and then our leader, our guy... And as I said before, and as I've been saying for weeks, one of the only consistents in the lineup this year, he wants the playoffs. It's clear in games like this. But Aaron James Judge, game-tying three-run nuke in the eighth, just such a clutch hit. I was driving home from work when it happened, and I almost drove off the highway. (laughs) I was so happy he was back in the lineup after experiencing dizziness the night before. And he came through big there. And then in the bottom of the 10th, Gary Sanchez, walk-off, RBI single. The Yanks completed the great comeback against the Twins and won 6-5. to five. After the game ended, some quick news. The Yanks optioned Clark Schmidt back to AAA. Obviously, he's since been recalled. But Domingo Herman started a rehab assignment in AAA this day. Still been out since August 1st with the shoulder inflammation. And Sal Romano... Elected free agency after getting DFA'd again, and then the Yanks signed him to a major league contract. So Romano is sticking around, and it was a pretty eventful week for him. And Brooks Krisky was DFA'd. Been wondering for some time now, as many of you know, when that was going to happen. So Krisky, DFA'd. Tuesday, right back to action after the Monday makeup game against the Twins. First game in Baltimore. And the Yanks started the series finally doing what they needed to do all along against Baltimore. And that's winning an extremely rare and easier game, 7-2. And the Bronx Bombers, they finally made their return. All of their runs on homers. First two runs of the game on a two-run shot by Judge, followed by a Stanton two-run shot, a Voight solo homer, a Gallo solo homer and a DJ solo homer. Judge's 34th, Stanton's 28th, Voight's 10th, Gallo's 34th, and DJ's 10th. Cole started the game, first game since the hamstring tightened up, and especially in the first and fifth innings, he labored a bit, but as I always say, as an ace does, he still got through it. He threw a lot of pitches, which is why he only went five innings, but still went five innings. Four hits, just a run allowed, three walks, and seven strikeouts, and he would earn his 15th victory. Michael King pitched three beautiful, hitless innings to follow, and a run was given up in the ninth by Romano, ultimately, which unfortunately forced the Yankees to call on Chapman in a 7-2 game, but the Yanks did win a nice one, nonetheless, 7-2, a very rare, fun, rocking chair game this year. The next night, Wednesday, by the skin of their teeth, the Yanks avoided a devastating loss. (laughs) Uh, Until the end of the game, basically, all that happened was Gio Urshela hitting a two-run shot as his awakening continued for the second straight day, and Nestor Cortez who tragically had to take a no decision for his brilliant performance just threw an absolute gem. Six and a third, just three hits, one run on a solo shot at the very end of his outing, two walks, and 11 strikeouts, which was a career high for him in one game. Amazing job by him. So, two to one score, Chad Green... How many times have we seen this happen? (laughs) How many times? Well, it'd be one more after this game. And guess what? It was started on another defensive mistake by Glaber Torres. Not on the scorecard, but yet again, just his third day at second base at the time, the Yanks rearranged the entire infield to accommodate him because even they had enough of him at short, finally. And on a ball that should have easily resulted in either a four-six-three double play if the ball was dropped, which it was, or a 4-3 line-out double play, he drops the ball and only throws to first with plenty of time to go to second. I mean, it just looks like a matter of not even paying attention at this point, guys. I mean, it's just awful. It's awful. The kid just doesn't even have a clue anymore. His confidence and his awareness, I mean, they're gone. They're shot. But then, Chad gave up the go-ahead two-run shot to Hayes after that, that we all knew was coming. But to avoid disaster, Brett Gardner, who's obviously gotten huge hits lately, he got another. After Voight walked and Glaber thankfully got a hit to keep the line moving in the ninth, it's the least he could do. Bloop, two-run single by Gardy. Huge hit. 4-3, Chapman in for the ninth, and it was the best he's looked in months. A perfect ninth inning for his 27th save, and the Yanks squeaked out a victory from the jaws of what would have been another humiliating defeat to add to the collection. They won 4-3. And Thursday was eerily familiar. Instead, <laughs> the Yankees lost such an excruciatingly awful game, also failing to advance in the wildcard race with the Sox and Jays being off that night. Two Yankee runs, scored on a Gallo solo shot and a G.O. double, as Gallo continued his home run hitting ways lately, he's finally been on an absolute tear as we know up until what happened with his neck yesterday. And then the O's hit a solo shot later, so it was 2-1 late, just like on Wednesday night. Montgomery in line for the win after a great start, 5-2, 6 hits, just one run, and like Nestor piled up those strikeouts on Wednesday, Montgomery piled up the strikeouts on Thursday. 12 strikeouts. Despite only getting two runs of support. Again. The poor guy, man. Montgomery couldn't get runs if his life depended on it. I don't know what he ever did to the boys in that lineup to make them hate him so much. But bottom of the ninth. Holmes in for his second inning of work. Gives up a hit. Wild pitch. Runner goes to second. Ground out. Runner goes to third. Two outs. Two outs. Last strike of the game, and another wild pitch was thrown. Tie game. Making Montgomery get his 16th no decision this year. 16! Have you ever heard of such a thing? Top of the 10th, the Yanks can't even score the ghost runner. Hadn't scored since the second inning. And at this point, you were just ready for humiliation. At least I was. I just knew the game was over. And it was. Bottom of the 10th, bases loaded, one out, Austin Hayes, single through the left side with the infield in. I'm not sure why they were in the way they were with one out. I don't know why with the bases loaded and the force at home not being absolutely necessary, why are not at least playing at halfway, but whatever. Yanks lost just a game they could not afford to lose. But they do anyway. Just like they have in big games all year long. Absolutely pathetic. Finished the season series against the Orioles with an 11 and 8 record. 11 and 8 against a team that's probably going to finish the season with around 110 losses. Just think about this, guys. Take seven or even six of those losses away. Give them the same record against the Orioles that Tampa had against them. And for the record, in case you don't know, Tampa went 18-1 against the Orioles this year. They took care of business. If you give the Yankees that record, take away six or seven of those losses of those eight Look at what a different picture you have. They wouldn't be fighting for a wild card. They'd be fighting Tampa for the division. Don't tell me that these Baltimore losses don't matter. Don't tell me that games against bad teams don't matter. Because they all matter. All of them. And I started thinking to myself too. I started thinking after the game was over. If 38-year-old Brett Gardner didn't bloop that single for the Yankee comeback in Game 2, the Yankees would have lost another series to Baltimore! I mean, there's just nothing else to say, guys. It's enough to make you sick. Just inexcusable to the highest order. And it goes without saying that this game is a vintage example of why people have, again, They're valid concerns with this team, and if you don't at this point, then you could be as optimistic as you want, but you're just not being honest with yourself. Friday, the day started off with some injury news, because why not, but Sal Romano was placed on the 10-day injured list retro to the 15th with a sprain in his right index finger from when he tried to reach up for that line drive. And like I said before, Clark Schmidt was recalled in his place. So despite their eighth loss against the Orioles, who again are probably going to ultimately lose 110 games this year, I just want to keep saying that, the good thing is, Friday night, the Yanks got the exact kind of win that they need. Like Tuesday's game, and now that I think about it, it's pretty incredible that in this season... It's pretty incredible that we got two games like this inside of the same week, but it was just an extremely rare, but certainly not unwelcomed, rocking chair game. And it was nice to be treated to another, because these don't happen this year. They just don't. Kluber Gang Gang started the game, and he had his best start since his no-hitter in mid-May. Big step forward for him. Six shutout innings, good to see him give some good length again. Four hits, two walks, and four strikeouts. Very nice start for Corey. And King and Lichty would eat up the final three innings with a big lead. And King, by the way, I just want to say this. I know he's missed a lot of time with that finger contusion injury, guys. But when he's pitched this year, especially here down the stretch since his return, but even in the first half before he got hurt, I mean, he's just been absolutely terrific He keeps this up, and he'll prove to be a lethal weapon in that bullpen. Long relief arm that could bridge to the back end of the pen, or even be a part of the back end of the pen if need be. But he's been, and could continue to be, really important down the stretch here. He's been fantastic. But again, he and Litke would pitch the last three innings with the offense just piling on, especially towards the end. But altogether... Joey Gallo, Homer twice, two solo shots, and again, he just continued to be on one of his relentless home run tears. Numbers 36 and 37 for him. Aaron Judge had a solo shot, number 35 for him. Gio, RBI single. Brett Gardner, three-run shot. He stays hot. And Giancarlo Stanton had a solo shot as well, number 29 for him. All in all, eight runs, the Yanks won 8 to nothing and again, a rare laugher for them. Well, it's too bad the script would completely flip the other way yesterday, though, because after dropping 8 runs on Cleveland Friday, with the Bombers hitting bombs again, the Indians, who have little to no offense at all, outside of Reyes and Ramirez, dropped 11 runs on the Yankees, Imagine you're the Yankees. You drop eight runs on someone else one day and then just get punked again the very next day against that offense. Is that not the most 2021 Yankees thing of all time? Heel started the game and although he battled again, he did get through four and a third, only allowing a run, at least when he was on the mound. But we saw a lot of what we've seen. Electric stuff, Lots of strikeouts, but then just losing command, too, here and there. Four and a third should have been four and two-thirds, or more, if Gary knew how to catch a pop-up. That would immediately initiate disaster, as we know. But anyways, the rest of Heel's line, just three hits, three runs total, only two earned, again, because of Gary straight-up missing a pop-up in foul territory. Four walks when he was losing his command, but still six strikeouts. So he's just got to clean it up a bit. I still love how he battles. I love that in a young arm, like I've said. But got to find the zone a bit better. He's still so much talent, man. I love heel. He has so much talent and potential. He's just got to clean it up a bit. But then Abreu came in after him, Albert Abreu. And he, too, just had less than no command. And everything just collapsed. I mean, that's what happens when you hand out base runners drop pop-ups, healing Abreu, hitting guys with pitches and just having no command. Seven runs. Seven for Cleveland in that fifth inning. And of course, the offense, definitely to blame too, which had already gone into cruise control after they blew their scoring chance in the first, stayed in cruise control and would go on to lose once again in embarrassing fashion, 11-3. to after Andrew Heaney, after a DJ error too, also decided to later do what he does best. And that's be one of the worst pitchers I have ever laid eyes on. Just a reminder that he's still on the Yankee roster on September 19th in the middle of a playoff race. Just in case you forgot that the Yankees are an unserious organization. Oh, but Luis Heel isn't anymore after yesterday. They sent him down again. So a laugher for the Yanks on Friday, and then a laugher for the Indians who have no offense the very next day. If that isn't, again, a microcosm of the disgustingly inconsistent 2021 Yankees, I don't know what is. And here we arrive at today, the Yanks looking to hopefully not lose another crucial weekend series at home to a bad freaking team just like they did two weekends ago against the Orioles. And at least they got Cole going today. That's a good thing. I hope. But like I always say, with the 2021 Yankees, you don't know what you're going to get. So I can't even say that's a good thing for certain. Real quick though, before we end, some injury news heading into today. Domingo Herman. Had his second rehab start yesterday in AAA, and he's expected to rejoin the team very soon, probably within the next couple of days, if I had to guess at this point, in the late morning here on Sunday. Severino has thrown to live hitters a couple of times. He claims to feel great, even game ready. So he could finally be back in a couple of days, but just at a relief roll, as I've been saying for a while now. There's just not enough time to build him back up to being a starter this year, but Just a couple of days away for him, it seems like. And both he and Herman would mainly just be relief help at this point. Loizaga, he's doing his throwing program and apparently feels really good. The shoulder feels fine. And he still expects to come back before the end of the season, if the Yankees are still in contention by then. Otherwise, I would just rest him. And Tyone, Jameson Tyone, he's been throwing bullpen sessions and his ankle feels fine. So depending on whether they rehab him just a bit, or if they just slide him right back into the rotation, we should see him within a week or a week and a half too. I mean, you hope, because there are only like two weeks left here, guys. So, <laughs> And of course, Joey Gallo, he left yesterday's game with a bit of neck tightness. Probably the best case scenario out of all the other things it could have been, but <laughs> hopefully it doesn't linger. Got some treatment for it, and he's day to day and could be available off the bench today, you hope. All right, what's ahead for this coming week? You got today's game, of course, and by the time you're listening to this later, you know the result already. Again, you got Cole going today. You got to win today. You have to win. You have to win. I said it in the intro, and I'll say it again. You lose today, game 150, drop another series at home against a bad team with only 12 games left to go after today. You could go on and on about how those final nine games against Boston, Toronto, and Tampa are going to be the ones to make or break the Yankees. And yeah, I I would tend to agree with that still, especially mathematically. But you lose this game today, especially depending on how you lose it, (laughs) you're going to be having a lot of people, including myself, having their faith hit near zero or maybe even zero. You can't lose this game today. You can't take many more losses whatsoever with the little amount of games there are left. There's little to no time left. These are games you have to win, especially with your ace on the mound today. Enough PS and around. Win the game. Tomorrow starts the first of 3 against the Rangers here. That's the really the end of the Yankees' laid-back schedule that they've done an absolutely horrific job taking advantage of. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all three games will be at 7.05 Eastern. Thursday, finally a damn day off. And Friday, the big final nine games begin. And again, this will either make or break the Yankees' playoff chances mathematically. Start of three at Fenway, Friday will be at 7.10 Eastern, Saturday at 4.10 Eastern, and Sunday. When we chat again, and I think we'll have a much better picture about whether this team truly will or won't be going to the playoffs via the wild card. That game will be another ESPN Sunday night special, 708 Eastern. But as for now, guys, that is all for episode 113 of Yapping Yankees Today. Please remember, guys, to follow me on all social medias. Facebook fan page is at Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Scuds 97 Follow me on all those, guys. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel, guys. Leave a like down below on this video if you're listening on there. But also, be sure to show it some love on the other three platforms it's available on as well. SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, if you got the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 113 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today, guys. I am Mike Scudero. And I will talk to you next Sunday, September 26th, when I come at you with episode 114 of Yapping Yankees. And it haunts me to think about that if the Yankees do not make the playoffs, the next two weeks will be the final weeks of regular season action on this podcast for the Yankees in 2021. But until we get there, guys, you know the deal. Hang in there. Be patient. Please stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. And Yanks, I don't have to say it, but I'll say it anyway. You've been nearly impossible to take seriously throughout most of this season. But if you want to be taken seriously, you got to win today. You got to kill the Rangers. And then especially after this Rangers series, I mean, this is it. You want it? The end of this easy schedule, and especially those last nine against your division, that's it. So do it, or don't. It's up to you. Enjoy your week, my friends. Take care.